chapter 11 this morning, Leviticus chapter number 11. We are going through a series of lessons on the Pentateuch. Uh, Pentateuch means five volume set, which is talking about the first five books. We often refer to it as the law. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These lessons, there's 30, I believe 31 of them, and it's just an overview of these five books. We've done several studies like in the book of Genesis or each book individually, but these are just overview lessons. Uh, this one today that you have in your hand is called Holiness of God's People. It's interesting because it covers chapter 11 through chapter number 20 of the book of Leviticus. And so we want to look at that uh, this morning for a little bit and then make application um, to us in our lives. I'm glad you're here this morning. Everyone doing well? Good to have brother and sister Martin back. I went to the funeral of his sister and good, good to have them back safely. And again, uh, always enjoy church. Let's go ahead and pray this morning and we'll ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. I ask you again for your help this morning. Give us again the words to say, Lord, may this be profitable time. And uh, Father, may we not be dull of hearing. May we listen and uh, Father, apply. Thank you again for the lessons you gave, something seemingly sometimes that, uh, insignificant when you talk about the holiness of your people Israel. But Father, may we learn from it and uh, see how you want us to be holy also. Again, give us wisdom beyond our years. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church family, you have several things that are in your lesson. I want to just quickly say it's interesting that God uses the word holiness 611 times, holy or holiness 611 times in Scripture. It's the idea of being clean. It's what we refer to as something that is separated unto God or something that is cleansed for God. For instance, when we say the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is separate. It's, it's, it's sacred. Uh, when we talk about the Holy Bible, we're talking about the Word of God that you have in your hand. It's not like any other book, and that's because it's separated. It's, it's holy. It's clean. And there's several things that we use that, if I can use the word adjective of the word holy, to describe things. In the tabernacle, the word holy was used when it comes to the vessel, to the tabernacle, things of that sort. We talk about the holy place or the holy of holies. It was a separate place, and it was a place that was really, I always identify the word clean with. I appreciate the song she just sang a moment ago, talking about us being holy inside and out, being clean on the inside and out. Now, I want to make, uh, I'm going to talk about two things. First of all, the interpretation. I want to talk for a little bit about the children of Israel and how God said they were supposed to be holy. And then I'm going to make application New Testament on how we're supposed to be holy. So we're going to deal with just those two things this morning and uh, hope that hopefully it'll be a help to you. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, in chapter number 11, I want you to, let's start there this morning. Chapter 11, look down in your Bible again and look at verse number 44, Leviticus 11, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God, <clears throat> ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, for I am the Lord that bringeth you <coughs> up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beasts and of the fowls and of every living creature that moveth in the waters and of every uh, creature that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 47, why? To make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. Now, <coughs> church family, let me just talk about Israel for just a moment here. The bulk of, actually all these chapters, chapter 11 through chapter 20, is talking about the holiness of God's people. And by the way, some of the things that God told them that he didn't want them doing would seem odd to us. All right? For instance, in chapter number 11, uh, which again we're reading out, I won't read these chapters by the way, but chapter 11, verses 1 through 47, it was the holiness of God's people when it came to eating. All righty? Now, he told them that they were, what uh, animals they could eat, what fish they could eat, what birds they could eat, what creeping things, and he goes down through all four of those and as far as what they were supposed to eat. Now, I'm thankful I'm a New Testament Christian, all right? Amen. And we have liberty to eat bacon, amen? amen. All righty, so thank the Lord for that, all right? 
But for God's people, God said, you're going to be different from all of the people. And by the way, that's the last verse, verse 47, to make a difference. God said, I'm going to have you different than everybody else. And so when he's referring to God's chosen people, obviously New Testament clarifies there are things that are not representative as far as the believer or the church that sometimes people like to join with Israel. I had a guy one time years ago that believed it was wrong to eat pork. And by the way, I don't have a problem if you don't want to eat pork. I'm still going to enjoy ham. All righty. Uh, and the reason for that is because the New Testament verses where Paul said that we have liberty to eat those things. Okay, but for Israel, they could not eat these things because they were a holy people. They were supposed to be different than others, all right? Something else, again, quickly as I walk through them, chapter number 12, it's talking about the holiness of God's people when it came to bearing children and the purification process if they bore a man-child and if they bore a maid-child. That's Leviticus chapter 12. Then in chapter 13, he talks about, chapter 13 and 14, he talks about the holiness of God, God's people when dealing with leprosy. All right, now again, there's a lot to be said about that. I love the story about the scapegoat and the picture of how put it, God killed one of the goats and then they sprinkled that blood upon the scapegoat and the scapegoat was let out in the wilderness to never be found again. Aren't you glad our sins are never to be found again, amen? So again, God's forgiveness there. Uh, in chapter number 15, you've got the idea of holiness when it comes to private issues of life. In chapter number 16, uh, you've got the holiness of God's people when it came to the atonement of their sins. In chapter number 17, talk about the holiness of the sacrifices that were brought to the tabernacle. In chapter 18, you have the holiness of morality, uh, the morality of God's people. And that's all of chapter 18. And again, I think all of those should be spelled out in your lesson. And then in Leviticus chapter 19, it was the holiness of treatment of God's people. I wish uh, we had time to go through all of these and we don't. But it's interesting that he gets down to some of the nitty gritty. Chapter 19, verse number three, the fear of a father and a mother. Uh, chapter 19, verse nine and 10, uh, leaving in the field so, uh, so that the poor could glean. Uh, verses 11 through 13, not to steal, not to lie, not to defraud, not to rob. Uh, it's interesting, verse 14, the abuse of a deaf or blind person. God really deals with some nitty gritty when it came to his people as far as being clean, as far as being holy, as far as being separate, as far as being different. Now, church, I mean, with all of that said, uh, again, we'll make the parallel in a minute, but 1 Peter chapter 1 uses the same verses from Leviticus chapter 11, be ye holy for I am holy. Now, in chapter number 20, before I get to, to us as God's people, I want to deal with one more thing with Israel, okay? It's interesting because chapter 20 uh, reiterates and says some things again. And it's interesting how God does it. So look at your Bible now, Leviticus 20, look at verse number one. I, we flipped through chapter 11 through 19. And again, just, just telling you what the chapters were about. But look at chapter number 20, look at verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, what's the first word in verse number two? Again. Now it's interesting because church family, that's exactly what he does here. This is the only chapter that he just gets done repeating himself, what he just got done saying, chapter 11 through 19, but he doesn't repeat everything. So I want to take just a moment to talk to you for a few minutes before we, again, if the Lord allows, I'd like to talk to you about the church, uh, uh, New Testament, what a Christian is supposed to be as far as being holy. But it's interesting to me what God repeated, all right? And the reason for it is because the only thing he repeats is morality, now, church, let me think for just a moment. I've, years ago when I first came, I had people criticize us as far as being legalist, and we're not legalist, all right? Legalist means you have to do something in order to be saved, okay? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, all right? I'm glad it's paid for. So we're not legalists. You know, we do what we do because we want to please the Lord, but it's not going to change the fact if I'm going to heaven or not. Okay, good. I hope you're with me on that. Well, um, we, what a person has to understand when it comes to the Old Testament law is that God had several things. He had, um, he had laws, dietary laws. Uh, he had priestly laws. And then he had morality laws, all right? 
Now, church, I mean, the things that are mentioned again in the New Testament are morality laws. Morals don't change, all right? Hey, I'm glad that we can eat uh, bacon and ham and sausage and things of that sort, I, I believe, at least uh, because those were the dietary laws. And again, when the blood of Jesus Christ was shed, a lot of those laws were taken out of the way, the priestly laws. No longer do we go to a priest that goes into the tabernacle to meet with God. How many glad we got, we got free access to God, amen? That was because the veil was torn from top to bottom when Jesus Christ died, gave us access to God the Father. But, it, but all those priestly laws mentioned in the Old Testament were a shadow for our learning. It was an example for our learning that what the priest did as far as the Day of Atonement, going into before God, that we can on a regular basis go before God. But church family, the moral laws have not changed. And we get people that get all hung up on this thing. You know, we live by grace, we don't live by law. Okay, now, when a person says that, remind yourself, you don't live by law to get to heaven, okay? It's all grace, the grace of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm glad I'm saved, glad it was grace, glad I did nothing, he did it all. All I had to do was believe and receive, all right? Are we all in agreement on that? I hope so, otherwise you're not saved. <laughs> because we're only saved through Jesus Christ. So it's not law. It's not law. But church family, morality is not a part of my salvation. Morality is part of God's law that he says, I want you to make sure that you do if you're going to be holy unto me. Now, with that said, it's interesting in Leviticus chapter 20, it's the only thing he repeats. All right, look at your Bible now. Look at verse number, chapter 20, verse number 2. And again, or I'm sorry, again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, whosoever he be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn in, the, in Israel that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. Now, church, I'm going to walk through this very quickly this morning. Again, I won't get into too much detail, and I'd be glad to do that. But the very first thing that God deals with, can I put it in our, can I put it in our terms today? That's abortion. When you're sacrificing your children to, to Moloch, and again, in our day, sacrificing so you can have a career or, or, or killing a baby because of the shame of getting pregnant out of wedlock, whatever the reason is, they were sacrificing their children and bringing them to a false god if I understand history correctly and what I've read is that this false god was an, uh, they made out of iron. His hands were laid out like this. A person, uh, and then they put a fire underneath where his, those iron hands were. And a person would bring their babies and set them on those hot iron hands and watch that baby squeal until they would die. And that was their sacrifice to a false god. God says, don't, don't sacrifice your seed to Molech. He said, that, he said, that's, he said if you do that, you're, I'm going to kill you. All right. Now, that was a morality law, and I think that morality law still abides today. And I know that there are people who are lost that believe that abortion is wrong. But I want to tell you something. As a Christian, you ought to believe abortion is wrong. And it doesn't matter what trimester it's in. If, if, you know, life begins at conception, and we know that from the book of Psalm 139. All right? And so this thing of, well, it wasn't breathing yet. I want to tell you something. If a person's conceived, it's, that's a child, all right? And God knows it's a child. So the very first thing about morality God deals with is sacrificing children. Look at the next thing. All right, I think that's verses number two through five, if I remember correctly here. Uh, let's see here. Yes, two through five. Look at the next thing, verse number six. And the soul, here's the next thing he deals with. And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him from off among the people. Verse seven, sanctify yourself therefore and be ye what? Holy for I am the Lord. The second thing that he deals with is witchcraft in verse number six, all right? We've got to be really careful as Christians that we don't get involved in things that would, that would lean toward sorcery, uh, 
just any type of witchcraft of that sort. You know, my dad talked about in the day when the Ouija board, and I've never had one or seen one, but it talked about when the Ouija board was kind of prevalent, people would come together and turn the lights off and things of that sort. There, there's certain things you don't dabble with. Alrighty. And one of those things is witchcraft. And you ought to stay as far away from it as you possibly can. And I think we ought to keep our children as far away from it as we possibly can. You know, I was talking to the kids about uh, going to places to serve alcohol. And, you know, you might not ever drink, a, drink a, a drop of liquor and you can still, you know, be around friends who are drinking, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I want, I want to stay as far away from that thing because the Bible says that alcohol is like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. All right. Now, it's the same thing with witchcraft. There's certain things you don't want to go near. Alrighty? And the world takes it light, makes, it, makes light of it, and the world, again, shows Hollywood movies on all this kind of uh, extra, uh, extraterrestrial, I guess you'd call it, the things that are going on. But we understand one thing for sure, that, that there is a real devil, there is a real God, there are demons, and, and sometimes now I've personally have never, that I know of, I've never met somebody that was demon-possessed. Of course, there were a few members maybe. But anyway, uh, I've never been uh, with demon-possessed people. But I have heard all kinds of stories. I don't want to be around that kind of stuff. All right? And God says, as, it, as God's people, if you're going to be holy, stay away from witchcraft. All right? Look at the next thing here. Verse number, uh, verse number nine. For everyone that curseth his father or his mother shall what? I'm in verse number nine. Are you there? If you curse your father and mother, what were they supposed to do according to the law? How many think we should go back to that? All right, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. All right. And I want to tell you something. The Bible says that if we did, if the reason God did that is so that they would hear and fear. I want to tell you something. If a child found out that his buddy next door got killed because he cursed his father and mother, I don't think he'd treat his father and mother so bad. All right. We're living in a day where television uh, uh, wants to portray mom and dad as some buffoon that doesn't know what they're doing. And, you know, the child wants to tell his parents what to do. And the child knows more than his parents. And that is so far from the truth. All right? And we know that as Christians. And, and again, as we rear our children, uh, we need to use the rod and reproof. I was preaching chapel this last week. And, um, you know, the staff does not like it when I say certain things because of the Internet radio. All right? And I love them. They, they just fear that I'm going to be put in jail. And it could happen. And um, so we were at the end of, of uh, we were at the end of chapel. I got done preaching school chapel, and I forgot I was on the air. And as soon as school chapel got over, we were celebrating Brother Daniel's birthday. And so I was going to take Brother Daniel's out and all the staff out to eat. So the college students for one hour was going to stay with, the, with each of the classes and had all the college students divide up. So anyway, I got done preaching chapel, had all the kids there. And I said, I just want you to tell you something. I'm taking Brother Daniel's out and all the staff, and we're going to go out for lunch. I said, you're going to have a college student in your class. I said, if you misbehave or give them a hard time, when I get back, you're not getting a demerit. I'm going to whip your hide. <laughs> I forgot I was on the internet like I am right now. <laughs> but church family, can I tell you something? This thing of being afraid to spank our children, that's the world. Amen. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Amen. We got a bunch of kids who are going to die and go to hell one day because they don't respect the authority of mom and dad, which means they're not going to respect the authority of God. This is crazy that we have to be scared about what we believe and of all that, be scared about what the Bible says. If it says it in the Bible, I can hold on, hold on. Hey, I know there's some great things that you say, well, Pastor, I don't know about that. And I know we need to, we need to park ourselves to the right of what God wants so that we don't end up to the left of what God wants. But at the same token, there's some things that are just black and white. Alrighty, right. just black and white. Amen. I had to spank one of my girls this last week. I think it was this last week. Um, and uh, the girls are different for me. I, I don't like spanking the girls. I don't know how you fellas are. The fellas, I could care less, man. <laughs> they, they need it. 
All right? And it's because boys tend, they tend to be a little more stubborn. Fellows do, all right? Not always, believe me. There's some women, I'll tell you what, anyway. Fellows, keep your hand down. Don't testify, okay? But, but you understand it. Uh, so anyway, I had to speak to one of the girls, and uh, I, just, I just told her, I said, listen, I don't like doing this, but I'm not, you're not going to do this. I don't remember what it was about. You weren't home when I spanked her, I don't think. And uh, so anyway, I, I got done spanking her and everything. And uh, I, I honestly, I don't know that I got through my two to her, but guess what? I'm going to. You know why? Because there's one dad in the home. And dad is supposed to say yay or nay, right or wrong. Dad's supposed to be the leader in the home. And we got a bunch of guys today, well, that's my wife's job. That's not your wife's job. It's your job. Amen. All right. I don't know how I got off on this because we're talking about witchcraft right now. Which is why. Oh, amen. Amen. All right. Oh, don't tell me disrespect the parents. That's what it was about. All right. So again, as far as cursing our first, we need, we need to have respect. And, and by the way, again, you already know this because the older you get, respect your mom and dad, which is their grandparents, and it'll come back to help you also down the, down the road. Next one, verse number 10. God's talking about his people about being holy. Again, sanctify yourself. Verse 7, therefore be holy for I am the Lord. Verse number 10, and the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now, just show me this idea of morality goes back again to making sure that one man for one woman for life. And church, I mean, we're living in a day of this fleshly pole that we have to make sure that we put some perimeters and some protection around ourselves so that we don't yield to the temptation that would cause a person not to be faithful to their spouse. God says, and by the way, morality is the same. And again, he's going through several things here, but it's the same thing in the New Testament as the Old Testament. Fellas, I want to tell you something. There's some of you that will never touch another woman, but you're looking at things you should not be looking at, and you're not being faithful to your wife. It's wrong. That's wrong. Now listen, we're not having a marriage course this morning, uh, but I'm just trying to tell you that adultery, Jesus spelled it out very, very, quick, uh, very, very clearly on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 when he said uh, that if a man looketh upon a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery already in his heart. Fellas, we've got to guard our eyes when it comes to these opposite gender, to these pictures, to these movies, to all the different things the devil's trying to do to pull. You know the only thing that's keeping you from being unfaithful to your spouse? Listen now, opportunity. That's why we got to stay right. Amen. Pastor, it's just a movie. It's just a picture. No, it's not. It's a seed thought that the devil puts into your heart and mind. The devil's sly. I'm going to tell you something. All, he keeps planting seeds because he wants to reap a harvest later. And the harvest is the opportunity. All right, so again, he talks about this thing of adultery. Look at the next thing he says. Verse number, uh, let's see here. Jump it down to verse number 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood should be upon them. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. All right? Now, let me stop just talking about verse 13. He's talking about sodomy. All righty? I'll tell you, we, we live in a society today that when you talk about sodomy and homosexuality, they think you're a hate monger. All righty? You're not a hate monger. It's against natural affection. All right? Now, I don't care what anybody says, it's natural for a guy to like a woman. And it's natural for a woman to like a guy. It is not natural for two guys to like each other. It's not natural for two women to like each other in that kind of sense. It's not natural. All right? And church, if you, 
to me, what's, what's happened taking place is that because the world has gone so far to the left, where a person starts to deal with pornography, a person starts to deal with uh, fornication, a person starts to deal with all these different things, they're looking for the next thrill, they're looking for the next thing that they can do. And I want to tell you, it's a progression of wickedness. That's what it is. It's a progression of wickedness. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I think, uh, no, I'm sorry, no male wakes up one day and says, I think I'm a woman. Hey, I went to the doctor this last week. I'm fine, by the way. I went to the doctor. I was having problems with my hand. But anyway, I went to the doctor, and I had to fill out all these forms, all right? And so I filled out all these forms, and I could not believe the forms. First time I filled out a fill out form, they asked me what gender I was. Now, I'm not, no, they, I'm ta- I'm, I'm, they had, are you male and female? And then they said, what is your identity? Oh, my goodness. That's what you're I got a question. Can you tell what I am? Am I a male or am I female? Let me go this way. Am I a male or a female? Let's try this way. Am I a male or am I female? This is crazy. If they're so stupid they don't know their identity, why don't they get their birth certificate and find out what somebody said they were? This is the society we're living in. This is nuts. And some Christian ought not to be mean-spirited and trying to hurt somebody's feeling, but they ought to stand their ground and say, that's not what the Bible says. God created them male and female. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right, so God says sodomy is sin. Sodomy is wrong. You know, and I know our town, before this, uh, this COVID thing happened, I know that we used to have these gay marches and all this other kind of thing. But I want to tell you something. I don't care where we're at in this world. A Christian, I'll just say, hey, I'm sorry, but this is what the Bible says. All right. And by the way, I've, I've gone to people's doors before. Knocked on a home. My name's Scott. This is John from Heritage Baptist Church. And I've had them tell me, you would not want us. It was two females. You would not want us at your church. And I said, absolutely want you at our church. She said, no, you won't. She said, this is, this is, my, uh, this is my partner. And I just looked at him. I just told him, I said, listen. The Bible says lying is sin, the Bible says fornication is sin, and the Bible says sodomy is sin. But sin is sin. It doesn't change the fact. We still want you to come to our church because our church is full of sinners. And then I gave him several of your names, all right? So, all right. Look, the next thing uh, he says, now this one's weird to me. I just, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Verse 15, and if a man lie with a beast... He shall surely be put to death, and he shall and ye shall slay the beast. And if a woman approach unto any beast and lie down thereto, thou shalt kill the woman and the beast. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood be upon thee. I call that bestiality, but this immorality with animals. I can't. To be honest with you, I've never seen it. I've never been around it. I've never. I just. I can't comprehend why God would have to put that in Scripture. But I want to tell you something. We are there today. This is people are. It's, this is crazy. Again, it's a progression of sin in a person's life. It doesn't start there. All right. Hey, since we're here, let me just quickly say, an animal is just an animal. I took my dog in because he had cancer. You know, we never knew if a dog had cancer when I was growing up or a horse had cancer or, or one of the other animals on the farm. We just didn't know. If it got sick, it died. It died. You know why? Because when you bury an animal, it does not have a soul. And listen, I, I tease with some of you because some of you are pretty close. Mrs. Atwell, she's in the nursery, I think. She's really, she likes cats, all right? Okay. Have you ever figured out where one-third of the angels once they became demons? Some of them inhabit cats, by the way. Uh, just let you know. It's somewhere in the Bible. I know it's in the Bible. I just haven't found it yet. All right? <clears throat> 
But I know some of you, and some of you might be in here, and again, I hope you understand my uh, being jovial a little bit about this thing. But I've met people that they treat the animal as if it's a spouse. They treat the animal as if it's a real person. And, they, and I know some of you have been with your animal for seven, eight, ten, however many years it is, but it's just an animal. I told you about the story of Brother and Sister Buchanan when their dog died. And my dad, you know, he was, he was my dad, my pastor, he, so he wanted to, to kind of appease them a little bit. And so they asked, can we bury the dog at the farm? The church had a farm. Can we bury the dog at the farm? My dad made my brother and I go build a casket for the dog. <laughs> and then we dug a hole for the dog in the casket. My brother and I are dying laughing the whole time all this is going on because we were raised on a farm. When something got sick, they didn't put it in a casket. They got something about this size called a bullet. Okay, I know that shakes some of you, okay? But... You know, when Popo died, he was a big black horse. When Popo died, we had to get a big backhoe to come in and dig a hole for that thing. And we couldn't get him out of his stall because the, st the stall he was in, there was really not a way to get him out because the doors were so narrow and everything. And he sat in his stall and a few days had passed and he bloated. And Popo was like, blow Popo, blow po. We had to break the wall out. We had to stick the arm of the backhoe in. I had to get in there and chain his little legs up. At, well, they weren't like little. Chain his legs up. You know, some of this is grossing some of you out right now, okay? It was just an animal. I am just amazed how many people look at the animal as if he's going to doggy heaven, all right? He's not going to doggy heaven. There is no doggy heaven, all right? Now, there's a cat hell, but there's no doggy heaven. <laughs> All that for bestiality. I apologize. All right, let's go to the next one. Verse number 17 through 19, kind of interesting. And if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter to see her nakedness. Verse number 18, and if a man shall lie with a woman having her sickness, and shall uncover her nakedness. Verse 19, and thou shalt not uncover the nakedness of thy mother's sister. Now these verses, verses through 21, verse 17 through 21 is talking about nakedness. Now church, I may remember now, let me go back to verse number, uh, verse number two, the word again. The only thing that God repeats out of chapter 11 through chapter 20 are these particular sins, all right? That keeps a person from being holy. Now, church, I, want to, I haven't shown you, take, I should show you, I haven't taken you to these verses in such a long time. Would you look at one verse? Look at Exodus 28 with me. Exodus, Exodus 28, talking about the priest. Exodus 28, look at one verse with me. Look at verse 42. Now, remember now, this is the apparel of the priest. Leviticus 8, 28, I'm sorry, Exodus 28, verse 42. Exodus 28, verse 42. And thou shalt make them linen breeches. All right, now, we get that word breeches from the word breeches, all right? He says, I want you to make some pants for him. He says, talking about the priest, and thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their what? Nakedness. Now he's gonna tell you what nakedness is. From the what? Loins, even unto the what? Thighs, they shall reach. All right, now, church family, the loins to the thigh was talking about where your waist is, just under, the, just under your waist, or just right about where your waist is, is your loin, and your thigh goes to the top, the very top of your knee, all right? Now, I know some people say, well, what about a woman? The only thing I can go back to is the book of Genesis, that when they made themselves aprons, Adam and Eve made aprons to cover their, their nakedness, that the Bible says that God made them coats to cover their nakedness. All right, now, we, I, I live my life based upon from the neck to the top of the knee. That's nakedness. It's not supposed to be shown to anybody else except your spouse. All right? But God very specifically says here, loin and thigh is nakedness. We're living in a day, Christians, that they just have... They don't, I don't know what they're not, just not thinking or what, but you know what? The, a fella is affected by sight. A woman is affected by touch. That's why it's a multi-billion dollar business for pornography when it comes to men is because we're affected by what we see. 
All right, so that's again goes back to that's why we've got to be careful, okay? We're having more cases of incest than ever before, and, and I'm going to tell you why it's happening. It's because they're not covering nakedness in the home, all right? My kids, my daughters, uh, they, they don't, by the way, my daughters don't wear pajamas at home. They're going to wear a nightgown at home, and then their nightgowns are going to be flannel, or they're going to be somewhat thick, and they're going to, if, if it's not modest, Stacey's going to make sure that they wear a robe. My girls are not going to go around, and sh they're just brothers and sisters. No, we don't show nakedness. God, by the way, God's pretty clear. I wish I had time to teach on it because Leviticus chapter 18, he spends almost the entire chapter on and he spells out nakedness of this person, nakedness of this person, nakedness of this person. And he spends almost the entire chapter how important it is not to show nakedness. All right. Uh, when it comes to your children, fellas, uh, if I, let me just be a little bit more blunt about this thing. Okay. Some people have this idea uh, uh, that shorts are okay even on a man. All right. We're not a woman. Okay. A woman shouldn't wear shorts. No. Now think for just a moment here. If you wear shorts, and I'm going to be re really specific here. Uh, me, scripturally, I don't think it's wrong for a person to wear cutoffs as long as they go down to the knee. Okay? I'd have never wore shorts. I don't wear shorts. I don't even go swimming in shorts. Okay? And again, it's that thing of I want to be a step to the right because I don't want to go to the step to the left. Okay? Now, I'm not a, big, I'm not a good Christian because of it, just so you know. But I will say this. We have Christians today that think it's okay to wear shorts, and I'm not talking about to, the, to their knee. I'm talking about shorts. You know what that's called? It's called showing nakedness. How do you know that? Because he said, don't show the loin and the thigh. He said, these priests, make sure, make sure they have linen breeches because I want them to cover their nakedness. And that nakedness is supposed to be the loin and the thigh. We're supposed to be covered. Now, we, I know may, there might be someone listening this morning. You think, Pastor, come on, this is not a big deal. Then if it's not a big deal, why did he put it in the Bible? If it's not a big deal. No, we have made it not a big deal. And what's happened is we've caused fornication, we've caused adultery, we've caused incest, we've caused a lot of sins that should have never happened because of sight, because of things that should have never been seen. All right? So again, he talked about this thing about, about uh, nakedness. Now, church, I mean, all of that to be said uh, this morning was God said his people were to be holy. They were supposed to be different. They were supposed to be separate. They were supposed to be clean. All right? Now, this morning, I have about nine minutes to talk to you, New Testament, all right? So I'm just share, just, I promise, I say I promise. I'm not going to promise. I'm going to do my best to be done by 1020. I will do my best to be done by 1020. All right, I got nine minutes. Are you with me so far? Yes, sir. All right, now let's talk about New Testament for just a moment here. I wish we had time to turn to all these passages, and we do not. They should be, most of this should be in your Sunday school lesson this morning. God wants us to be holy. How do we know that? We know that from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse number 16, when he was talking to believers, and he said, be holy for I am holy. So what does it take to be separate? What does it take to be clean? All right, let's go ahead and turn over to 1 Peter real quick here. 1 Peter chapter number one. We'll have to turn to some of these real quick. 1 Peter chapter number one, New Testament. God wants us to be holy. 1 Peter chapter one, look at verse 15. While you're turning, but as, uh, but, as he, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father. Now, Look at chapter 2, verse number 5. Let me read a couple more verses. Chapter 2, verse 5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a ho an holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, let me just ask you a question just so that we're on the same page. In 1 Peter, is he talking to unbelievers or is he talking to believers? He's talking to believers, is he not? He talks about the Father there. He talks about how you're a holy priesthood. He talks about you're supposed to be a holy nation. He talks about um, this, the relationship really between the Father and a believer. Now, let, let me just say, you cannot even begin to be holy until, first of all, you're saved. It's real simple. 
He says that if you're going to be separate, if you're going to be clean, if you're going to be uh, right, then what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to be saved. All righty? Church family, at our house, uh, they still wash dishes in a sink. Now, we have a dishwasher. I don't think they don't use it all the time because I've seen them washing dishes in there. I don't wash dishes anymore. It's been a long time since I've washed dishes, wouldn't you say? I've never washed dishes. I've never washed dishes. You've never seen me wash dishes. Okay. I have washed dishes. I just want you to know. All righty. The only time, you know, she's probably right. When I was growing up, my brother and I would be left at home, and that's when I was washing dishes, okay? So it's been a long, I haven't had to wash dishes, all right? I've got a good wife. I'm glad she washes dishes, all righty? I know you ladies don't like that when that happens because your husband does all the dishes at home. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, all righty? But uh, fellas, you keep it up. God bless you, man. Keep those dishes clean. Now, Hey, so what I was going to say is this, is that they have dishes that are put, uh, dishes. So I, I, sometimes I do do this, okay? I take dishes from the table, and if they're dirty, I go set them in the sink. I, I do help clear the table. I just want you to know, clear the table, for the, not all the time, but sometime. Would you agree? All right, help me out here, okay? Help me out. Okay, so, so I go and put dishes inside the sink. There is a hodgepodge of dirty dishes inside the sink, Okay. Now, when I want something to drink or something to eat, and I need a plate or a cup, I never go back to the sink where the hodgepodge of dirty dishes are. I always go to a cabinet. And I open up the cabinet, and there's a series of glasses there that are clean, or there's a stack of plates that are in there and clean, and I pull something out. Now, I want to tell you why. Because the plates and the glasses are holy. What do you mean they're holy? They're clean. They're separated. I don't go to the hodgepodge of dishes, silverware and plates and cups, and try to pull something out of there to get something to be able to get something to drink. I go to a cabinet because they have been separated. They have been cleaned. Can I tell you, God wants to use you as a Christian, and we're in this world, but you're not lost. You're saved. And as a saved person, you should not be like the rest of the world in some hodgepodge of a sink. You ought to be lined up inside of a cabinet, a bunch of clean glasses that the master can pick out and say, that's fit for the master's use, and I can pick them out and use them. Why? Because you're holy, you're clean. God's people need to be clean. And so here's the first thing, we have to be saved. And if you're going to be, that, if you're, if you're going to be holy under the Lord, you've got to be saved. Second of all, the word clean. Look at first, uh, I'll read some of these for you. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. The temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Ephesians 4, 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. First Thessalonians 4, 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now, church, I mean, holiness has always given the connotation of something that is clean. And you have to be clean. As she sang a moment ago, we need to be clean on the inside and the outside. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 gives the promises of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1, it says, now having these promises that we're supposed to be holy, you're supposed to be clean, both in body and spirit. So church, I mean, uh, that's, that comment, I'm sorry, not comment, comment's outward, that thought that I had concerning somebody else, that makes me unholy. That envy, that jealousy makes me unholy. You know, we can cause ourselves to be unholy by what's going on on the inside, not just what's going on, on the outside. God specified so many things for the children of Israel. Don't trip up a person who's deaf. Help the person who's blind. Leave some food in the field for somebody who's poor. He goes into the morality side of things. No, I don't want any adultery. I don't want bestiality. I don't want any abortion. He goes through all of these outward things. When you go to the New Testament, it really deals with the inward because the inward is what produces, or I should say, is the fruit of the outward. All right? So we need to be clean. All right? We need to be clean for God. How do you get clean? By the washing of the water of the word. word. All right? 
With wherewithal, Psalm 119, I think verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Clean. How? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. God's word. Thy word have I said in my heart. Why? That I might not sin. So cleanliness comes from using the word of God. All right? So again, we need to be clean if we're going to be holy. Got to be saved. Got to be clean. Look at, I want you to look at this one with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I made reference to it. It's probably because it's on my mind. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me read a couple verses with you here. 2 Corinthians 6. Verse 14, and being not equally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Verse number 16, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols, for ye are the temple of the living God? Verse 17, wherefore come out from among them and be ye what? Separate. Separate. All right. Chapter 7, verse number 1, having therefore these promises, which are the promises from chapter 6, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting what? Holy. Holiness. Church family, if you're going to be holy, third, uh, number three here, you need to be separate. You need to be separate, all right? We need, to be, we need to be separate from the world, all right? We can't do what the world does. You know, there's a lot of Christians that they come to this church and they don't stay very long. You know, it's interesting. They'll come to a service and I'm preaching on love of God or I'm preaching on, you know, things that are not confrontational. But if I preach a message on Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. If I deal with anything that's maybe a nitty-gritty thing, all of a sudden, that guy's a legalist. I'm not going back there. Church family, if we are going to be holy, we have to be separate. Amen. That's right. We have to be separate. Yes, you have to work your job. And yes, sometimes at your job you have to hear cussing. And yes, at your job you have to hear the wrong kind of music. And yes, you know, at your job you have to see things maybe you don't want to see. But you, you, you work. But you remember something here. Your job's not your life. Your life is Christ. All right. So if you're going to be holy, number one, you have to be saved. Number two, you have to be clean. Number three, you have to be separate. Number four, you have to be yielded. Number five, you have to be accepting of God's chastening hand. I hope that you'll read all those verses. I won't continue. But God wants to God, be holy. Hey, church, I'll say this and I'm done. There's five things in the Bible God says, I want you to copy me. I want you to be like your heavenly father. He says, I want you to copy me when it comes to love. I want you to copy me when it comes to forgiveness. I want you to copy me when it comes to perfection. I want you to copy me when it comes to mercy. And last of all, be ye holy for I am. He wants you to copy him when it comes to holiness, being clean.